On today's show, the Chicago Bulls are rolling. Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan have it going. The Memphis Grizzlies have been winning without their star player. And the Houston Rockets just can't seem to lose. On today's Locked On NBA. You are Locked On NBA, your daily NBA podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. There's no cheese on it. It's under the sauce. Like, I'm Italian and this is hurting me. It's from Chicago. That's not enough cheese. The cheese is under the sauce. It's not enough. It's under the sauce. And welcome. You are locked on to the NBA. My name is Nick Engstead, host of the Locked On Mavericks podcast and channel manager for Locked On NBA. We got a good one for you today. The host of Locked On Bulls, Matt Peck, will join me to talk about Zach Levine, DeMar DeRozan, and how they've been killing it. Then. Sean Coleman from Lockdown Grizzlies will join me to talk about how the Memphis Grizzlies have been killing it despite not having John Morant. And then Jackson Gatlin joins me again. I know it's two weeks in a row, but the Rockets haven't lost since the last time I talked to him, so I had to. Thanks for making Lockdown NBA your first listen every single day. We are free and available on all platforms, including YouTube, where you can subscribe and watch the show every single day or watch each of these interviews. Also, today's episode is brought to you by prize picks check out prizepicks.com use the promo code nba or go to your app store and download the app today prize picks daily fantasy made easy joining me now on lockdown nba one half of my maybe my favorite duo on the entire network including the one that i'm a part of locked on bulls matt peck joining us to talk about some chicago bulls uh as we were talking about before the bulls are just good matt yeah, what's up, Nick? Uh, <laughs> if you call 16 and 8 and a half game behind Brooklyn for the top seed in the East good, then yeah, they're good. I mean, this team, we were just talking, to, I expected this team to be, okay, maybe their ceiling is top four in the East. Now, there's been some some disappointments, right? Miami's been a little disappointed recently with a lot of their injuries and things like that, obviously. Milwaukee, a lot of early season injuries, you know. Milwaukee's yeah. been like that. The Sixers with the Ben Simmons situation. Even, you know, the Hawks have been a huge disappointment. The Knicks, like there's just been a lot of teams that have been disappointing. And there's been a power vacuum, and the Bulls have just somehow filled it. How have they gelled together so quick? They basically, I mean, the roster is completely different from even last year, but two years ago, it's just a completely different roster besides like Zach Levine and a couple of pieces. How has this team gelled together so fast and been so successful? Yeah. I mean, I think anybody who was expecting them to gel, like you said, with all like a huge roster overhaul to gel this quickly would be fooling themselves or lying to you. Because I mean, I, I thought that this would be a good bulls team, but like Billy Donovan said during training camp, it was going to take some time for all these new pieces to figure out how to play together. And you did see some of that early on this season, like Vooch trying to figure out what exactly his role was now that he was not the 1A option he was used to being in Orlando all those years, but now is sort of like option number three behind both Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan. But I think, you know, there, there are a few key pieces to what's allowed them to gel so quickly, which is that they're playing incredible defense most nights and that is led by two all two also newcomers Lonzo Ball and Alex Caruso and they have a closer his name is DeMar DeRozan Zach Levine Mm. had a lot of pressure to close in late game situations over the last couple of years and he was facing double teams he was facing traps and he was taking difficult shots because there was no one around to help him DeMar DeRozan in the two wins in New York the Knicks and the Nets against the Knicks 18 of his 34 in the fourth quarter Against the Brooklyn Nets on Saturday night, 14 of his 29 in the fourth quarter. The dude closes. 
absolutely. DeMar DeRozan has been incredible, and the Bulls are insane when he is on the when he is on the court this season. They are. Uh, I think I just looked it up on cleaning the glass. Yeah, plus eight point eight points per hundred possessions, better on you know outscoring their opponents, which right. is an incredible rating. What is what has he done to, to gel so quick? It's just is it just that he he kind of has all the tools except for the three point shot, right? Like I even heard you guys right. on your show the other day. He's making his shot selection. He's like, well, I've missed a bunch of threes. Maybe I should step in and take a long two. Like, is he just putting it all together or what's he doing that's been different? than you've seen in the past. Well, I, I think he is uh, accepting his role of being the bucket getter when the Bulls need a bucket. But also, I, I mean, in, in a very crucial late game scenario against the Nets on Saturday night, he saw a double team, drew a double team, collapsed the defense into the paint, and then kicked a beautiful pass out to Lonzo Ball, who despite having a really rough shooting stretch in both of these games in New York, he was 2 of 10 from behind the three-point line against the Knicks. I think he was 1 of 6 from 3 thus far in that game against the Brooklyn Nets. But DeMar DeRozan trusted his teammate, and he talked about it after the game. I trust that Lonzo is going to bury that shot. It was a huge shot. Lonzo sank it, pushed the Bulls' lead to 5 with under a minute left, and then that was essentially the dagger that got the Bulls the win. DeMar knows when to pick and choose his spots to get to his spots on the floor, and he knocks down difficult shots, and he's already buying in and trusting his teammates on a nightly basis because I think DeMar DeRozan sees himself in a lot of these new teammates of his, whether it be Lonzo Ball or Zach Levine, guys who have not really had a chance to win yet in the NBA, guys who are overlooked or, or underrated or underappreciated. This is a team full of guys with chips on their shoulders. Alex Caruso not getting the offer that he wanted to stay with the Lakers. There are chips on shoulders everywhere. DeMar has certainly a big one, and he trusts his new teammates every night. It's been awesome to see DeMar DeRozan step into that role and honestly just be like relevant again, <laughs> relevant yeah. again for, yeah. for DeMar DeRozan. I guess that was a shot at San Antonio, but well, yeah. But a after you know the the Tony and Manu and and Park uh, and uh, Tim Duncan year, like San Antonio, that's where people's careers are going to die or are almost dead. Shout out to someone, Thad, someone shout rescue out to Thad, Thad Young. Young. Right <laughs> shout out to Thad Young right now. He's just <laughs> wallowing away. Right, uh, <laughs> absolutely. And those two have been, you know, Levine and DeRozan have been really good together. What have what have they been able to do? Uh, to gel so quickly, those two guys and playing the the mono a mono, it felt like some people thought there may be some. Well, whose whose team is it? Right, play that whole game, the the Westbrook Durant game we used to play all the time. Right. And, uh, how have those two guys gelled together and been able to play together? Uh, you know, I think you're still seeing them work out a couple of kinks occasionally with the Bulls when they get into ruts in their offense. It's because either Zach or DeMar will be over dribbling and it's sort of like a your turn, my turn kind of situation that never really works out uh, super well in the NBA. But I think that they're, they're already forming a, a strong bond off the court. Um, and the, the people who thought, oh, Zach and DeMar aren't going to work together because they do the same stuff offensively. Like, I don't know what they were looking at because Zach Yes, he can knock down mid-range shots and get to spots on the floor that he likes in the mid-range, but he is a lethal threat behind the three-point line. He has perfected that step-back three. He had a big step-back three in the fourth quarter against Brooklyn, and he slashes to the rim, and he's finally starting to get some of, the, some of that respect from NBA officials with the all-star tag next to his name. He attacked the basket for some free throws and a difficult up-and-under layup uh, late in that game against Brooklyn. So they're both capable of getting to the free throw line. But, you know, outside of that, you know where DeMar likes to operate in and around the, that free throw line area, knocking down his mid-range shots. And Zach is lethal from the perimeter. So they actually complement each other really well. 
the offensive thing I never understood. People said, oh, they can't work together because of this. There's just one ball and all that. Those guys have both been, DeRozan has really become over the last like four or five years, a really good playmaker. His assist mm-hmm. numbers have gone from, you know, the beginning of his career was like point you know, one or point five or something like that a game to, yeah. you know, six, five, four ne- games. Nearly seven assists per game with the Spurs last season. Yeah, he's absolutely been, been he's added that to his game. Levine's always been a pretty decent, you know, uh, distributor and all that, but they're willing passers. It was the defensive end that I think a lot of us were concerned about, and that's where I want to go to next. Mm-hmm. You mentioned Lonzo and Caruso; those two additions have been massive. But how is this team? Like this Bulls team is a top ten defense. We're not even just saying a passable defense in the NBA. They've yeah. been really, really good. How have they? How have they turned that into a, a strength of this team? Well, I think there are a few factors there because you know not only uh, that, but a lot of people would point to you. they're undersized. You know, how are they a top ten defense with some of these you know net negative defenders and such a lack of size? <laughs> They make up for a lack of size with length. Everywhere you look, up and down Billy Donovan's rotation, starters, bench unit, there is length and length and length. There's a lot of switchability and a lot of versatility. And you got you got Caruso or Javante Green, guys who are six foot four, six foot five, guarding power forwards every night and doing a pretty respectable job doing so. And you know the Caruso and Lonzo are defensive aces. And when it comes to guys like Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan, who have never necessarily been known for their defense, we saw Zach Levine really accept and embrace that role for Team USA, which had plenty of scores at the Olympics. And they said, we don't necessarily need your scoring, Zach. We need you to bring the effort on defense every night. He embraced that and brought it in to this fresh bull season. And, and he and DeMar have both said things along the lines of, hey, when you see the kind of effort that Caruso or, or Lonzo put into every single defensive possession, it makes you feel like you have to bring your A game and buy in. So even those guys, Zach and Amar, they're doing a better job calling out switches. They're doing a better job fighting over screens. They're both getting their hands in passing lanes. Zach Levine had an incredible steal where he was fighting his way over his screen and turned it into an easy two at the other end the other night. Even though they might not be you know, defensive geniuses, even just putting forth effort, in NBA when it comes to defense makes a world of difference and they're holding their own on a pretty strong defensive squad. It's it's one of those things where if you're in a group project and one person is doing a lot of work, like one person's really trying, right. then maybe you'll just sit back and say, ah, it's okay, just one person. But if two people are working hard, then the rest of them are like, okay, well, maybe I have to step it up and I actually have to try on this because more than one person is is doing some of this work. It feels like right. that's what it's like for the Bulls on defense. And, and like one thing in particular I've noticed, Zach Levine at times in recent years, when he gets frustrated on the offensive end because he, he misses a shot or he doesn't get a call that he thinks he drew contact on, it, it would let him affect his effort on defense where he wouldn't get back or he would half ask it. Who you know, I mean, right? <laughs> Maybe Luke is guilty of that once in a while, too. But like the other night uh, against the Knicks, Alex Caruso had a couple of really like boneheaded plays on the offensive end, like a bad turnover. But then Alex Caruso will make up for that by hustling back on defense and making a big play. Lonzo Ball does the same thing. He was having a horrible shooting night against the Knicks, but he kept getting back and making big, game-changing, momentum-changing plays on the defensive end. And so they have taught Zach Levine, hey, if things aren't going your way on the offensive end, don't let it affect your defense because you can put that effort into your defense and get the game script back in your favor. 
Must be nice. Must be nice to have a, t- have a team that works together <laughs> like that. Last thing quickly, can you just tell me, uh, we haven't seen a lot of Kobe White this season, and now he you know, tested positive and he's going to be out, Javante Green as well. What's the latest on them? When can we expect them back? And, and also, what do you think Kobe White's role is on this team? It's, it's hard to see. And then, again, in Kobe's absence, you see some pretty strong gef- games and efforts from the rookie Io DeSumo. Um, and that's why a lot of people are talking about whether or not Kobe White might be an expendable piece to dangle before the trade deadline. Um, I personally th- thought that the Bulls should and Billy Donovan should give him a little bit more of a run, a little bit more time to find his role. You know that Kobe White can you know catch fire from behind the three-point line. Um, beyond that, like there, there's not a whole lot there that I'm seeing right now from Kobe. But keep in mind, this guy was out for six months. He had shoulder surgery. You know, you shouldn't expect him to look like himself quite yet. So when he did come back from the injury and before COVID, Billy did get him back in that rotation. He had a couple of good games. I'm very curious to see how Billy handles that as we get closer to that trade deadline, though, because the Bulls could use some depth in that front court. Absolutely. Go follow Locked on Bulls on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast. An absolutely great show with Matt Peck and uh, Big Dave Watson. Just great stuff over there. Thanks so much, Matt. Thanks, Nick. All right, coming up, we're going to talk to Sean Coleman from the Locked On Grizzlies podcast about how the Memphis Grizzlies have won four games in a row without John Morant. But before we do, let me tell you about Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the best NBA daily fantasy prop game on the market. They offer more NBA props than any other daily fantasy prop creator out there. You can go there and get the superstar players as well as bench players to put down some money on. Prize Picks offers any prop that you can imagine yardage, touchdowns, even interceptions thrown. You can go pick on Prize Picks. If you're doing this, uh, if you're doing this right now, you can go check out the NBA on Monday. Denver Nuggets versus Chicago Bulls. Nikola Jokic, 26 and a half points. I think Joker will go off for a little bit more than that. We'll give him the over. If you're going to do Zach Levine, uh, over under 24 and a half points. Maybe Zach Levine will have a little bit of an off night. So I'm going to do under. Put down 20 bucks on there. I can win 40. You put down 100 bucks. I can win 200. And there's all kinds of multipliers and all kinds of things you can put on Prize Picks. So don't hesitate. Check out Prize Picks. Use the promo code NBA or go to your app store and download today. Use the, N- the promo code NBA. You'll get a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. PrizePicks.com, promo code NBA. Also, want to tell you about Direct TV Stream. This is one of the few ways that I'm able to watch the Dallas Mavericks right now. If you're in the Dallas market, you know that there's so many restrictions, so many other things that you have that are getting in the way of you watching your favorite team. That's probably the case in a lot of your markets as well. Check out Direct TV Stream. You can go check it out right now. See if your team, your local team, is available on Direct TV Stream. It also can help you get put everything together in a very simple way. You can get rid of the clutter, stop juggling remotes, no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part, there is no annual contracts with Direct TV Stream. It brings your live TV on-demand favorites together like never before. So you can watch sports, movies, and shows, and hopefully your favorite team all in one place. Get rid of the clutter and the confusion. Get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. All right, and joining me now on Locked On NBA, one of the most delightful people on the Locked On NBA channel, Sean Coleman, Locked On Grizzlies host. Sean, how are you doing today? Oh, actually, I'm, I'm doing good. Nick, let me adjust something here real quickly. There we go. It's a little bit lighter in here. It's kind of like when Desmond Bain lit up the Mavericks last night. There we go. It looks better now. Pleasure to be with you, Nick. How are you, sir? I don't ask anyone else how they're doing, but I always ask you because I know you got something. I know you got (laughs) something working and ready for me. Uh, The Memphis Grizzlies right now are kind of shocking everybody right now, Mm -hmm. it seems like. 
Um, they're without John Morant. They've been without John Morant now for four games. They've won all all four of those games, and they've now risen up in that that the middle class of the West is what I've called it. Like this this group of you know the the Grizzlies, Clippers, Lakers, Mavericks, Nuggets, Timberwolves, Blazers, even throw the Kings in there. Like just that middle class, they were all they're all like within a game and a half of each other. And now all of a sudden, Memphis is number four in the West. They've risen up the ranks. They've done it without John Morant. How Sean Coleman? How? Well, it's better than expected developments from two of their biggest contributing pieces now and in the future, which are Jaron Jackson Jr. really hitting the high level of consistency both ways that I've known you have seen from a distance and that we have all been waiting for. And then, of course, all joking aside, it's the emergence of Desmond Bain, who has legitimately entered that most improved player conversation. But the other thing that stands out is that starting last Sunday against the um, Kings, I didn't get to see the numbers right before we got on, but I believe if I'm correct, the Grizzlies are holding their opponents over the past week, over the past four games, to around 36% from the field, under 30% from three, just a night and day difference when it comes to defense. Yes, the level of competition we've been facing, including getting a little bit of lucky has helped, but the defense really stepping up and giving an all-out effort with jaw out is the big key difference. Yeah, these four wins without Jaw, we kind of we kind of have to qualify them a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. Like you have to look at them and say, okay, it's against the Kings, the Raptors, that OKC game that was the the NBA's biggest win of all time. We have the seventy three there. Yeah, if you're watching on YouTube, you can see the, the seventy three, um, and then the Mavericks without Luca and Porzingis. So you play all four of those games. The, the Grizzlies won those games by hundred and fourteen total points, <laughs> which is like insane. But all those games, I'm not I'm not sure they're playing exactly the the best of the best when it comes to those teams right now. However, over the last two weeks, Memphis, top five in the NBA in offense, top six in the NBA in defense. They've been doing it mostly without John Morant. Those guys have stepped up, Jaron Jackson, Desmond Bain. Uh, how much longer are they going to be without Jaron Jackson or without John Morant? And is this sustainable? So basically, to the point of it being sustainable, to an extent, yes, you know, because the Grizzlies are winning in different ways through all these games. I know we had that 73 point victory. We blew out Sacramento, but against the Raptors and, you know, as we both saw last night against the Mavericks, you know, the Grizzlies offense wasn't that good. I mean, last night they played to the level to where they should have lost but they still won. They're finding different ways to win games. So I don't necessarily know if we're going to win 10 straight without job, but we certainly can remain competitive without him. As far as the time frame goes, team has not really put it out there. He is getting in pregame warm-ups, getting shots up. Nor do the Memphis Grizzlies ever put out timetables for their injuries. This is very true. This is very true. But I would say probably, if I were to guess, maybe around December 15th, maybe around December 20th, somewhere around in there, I would say two to three more weeks would be a realistic opportunity. And you start looking down that schedule for the Grizzlies. They're coming up on on Monday. If you're listening and watching this on Monday, they're playing the Miami Heat in Miami. Then they play the Mavericks again. Then they play the Lakers. And then Saturday, home for Houston for Memphis. That one is an interesting game. It is, certainly, especially with how well Houston is playing. Zach Randolph getting his jersey retired. But if you've listened to Locked On Grizzlies over the past few weeks, I've talked about how important December is. Two games against the Trailblazers, two against the uh, Mavericks to decide the Southwestern Conference leader, two against the Lakers, two against the Suns and the Warriors later on. It's going to be a very tough schedule. Though teams that they're playing are not playing to the level you would expect them to, the Grizzlies could really set themselves apart in this Western Conference race, especially with how many of these teams they play that are right there with them getting jaw back as soon as possible would be great 
Shout out to you for still caring about the Southwestern division. Although you did call it the Southwestern conference. So I don't know how much we care about it. But. I've been watching too much college football. So forgive me. Let's put it this way. The Grizz, the, the, call, it's not the Southwest division. It's the division. The Grizzlies lead by one and a half games. right? Now. <laughs> oh, the, the Grizzly led division. We just call it that one. We just call it whoever is leading. That's what you call the division. Um, this Jaron Jackson Jr. step up, he seems like a player that is just so integral to what mm-hmm. the Memphis Grizzlies want to do stepping forward. We kind of know what we're going to get from John Morant. He's still on the you know ascending, and we're like, okay, that is that's a given that he's going to keep ascending, keep doing what he's been doing. We saw in the playoffs against the Jazz last year. What has Jaron Jackson Jr. done this season to be different than he's been in the past? Because it seems like the last couple of years he's obviously been out with injuries, but been a little disappointing. And at some points, people said he could be the best player coming out of that draft when he came out, or one of the best players coming out of the draft when he did. How has he kind of stepped up the season and changed his game? No, nah, he's better than Luca now. Let's just put it that way. The best <laughs> yeah, in that I, no, I didn't think about that first. I was like, wait, what draft was he in? Oh, yeah, never mind. <laughs> one um, of the best. The, the, the flash consistency is starting to match up with the flashes, Nick. Obviously, you know, the steals, the blocks, the threes for his size were great his sophomore season. But the ability to go inside and outside, his two-point percentages have improved. The amount of time he's going inside versus outside, his three-point shots catching up with him. But it's the defense. It's not just the blocks. It's not just the overall defense. It's the ability to play late in games, making differentiating plays, difference-making plays Mm. with blocks, with stops, and things like that. The two-way consistency of Jaron's what stepped up. Yeah, that's been an incredible thing because, yeah, you'll, you'll tune in and it won't always just be him hitting a bunch of threes, but he can. And he's maybe, I mean, maybe one of the best three-point shooters on that team on Memphis. At times, he can really uh, he can really stroke it. And then the, the blocks just coming in uh, has been huge, the, the defensive aspect that he can bring to this team. Desmond Bain, after that whooping against the, against the Mavs that he put out, he really took that seriously on Saturday. He just, he took the draft snub of the Mavericks not picking him at 18 and him falling all the way to 30. The Mavs also had the 31st pick and then the 36th, 37th pick. They could have potentially traded up. He went to TCU, which is right in Dallas. The Mavericks didn't, didn't draft him. And without John Morant, and then also with Luca and KP out that game, Desmond Bain took that it seemed like he took that personally based on his comments after the game about, you know, I know they took Josh Green, but that's that's their problem. They have to deal with that. Uh, what have you what have we seen from Desmond Bain this season? You called him a potential M- MIP candidate. Uh, he took that, that game against the Mavs real personally. What have you seen from him this year? Well, you've seen the overall ability for one-on-one defense as well as his role in the defense really step up. But for me, it's the three-level scoring. Last year, Desmond Bain's accuracy as a three-point shooter was absolutely amazing for a rookie compared to most in NBA history. But now it's the three-level scoring off the dribble, knowing when to reposition himself to hit threes, knowing when to use the dribble drive game to get to the rim, knowing when to use his dribble to set up his own shot. His overall resourcefulness as a scorer has certainly stepped up, and that has been a big compliment to John Morant. And now, even though defense are starting to notice who Bain is, he still can find his own shot. So his resourcefulness as a three-level scorer has been the real difference so far this year. His short arms have not impeded his progress as an NBA player. It seems like that was the one thing coming out of the draft that people would say, well, you know, he's got this and he's got this. He hit a ton of threes in college, but the guy's got short arms. That doesn't seem to be a problem. No, and and the thing that I'll say is this, is that I think one thing that certainly helps him out, I know we're joking about that, and I think it was a legitimate thing coming out of college, 
But the reason why it was overhyped, I don't think enough was talked about how with his body's the way that it is, his ability to repeat his shooting form, no matter mm. where his body is, whether it's a three fadeaway, whatever it may be, that's what makes Bain stick out, in my opinion. The quickness at which he can repeat and get into that excellent shooting form, it certainly helps out as you as Mav fans and those who cover the Mavs know. <laughs> absolutely you can follow all the locked on grizzly stuff all the memphis grizzlies daily with sean coleman doing a great job over there at locked on grizzlies go follow on the podcast also on youtube wherever you get your uh where wherever you get your podcast and then also on youtube there's only one place to get youtube videos is youtube so go check, go check it out thanks sean thanks nick all right coming up i know last week i had jackson gatlin of locked on rockets show on but the Rockets haven't lost since then, and I called it. We have to talk about it with Jackson Gatlin. We'll talk about that. But before we do, let me tell you about one of my favorite products that we talk about on Locked On, and that is Built Bar. It's a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. They're absolutely delicious, and you have to check them out right now. If you have not, go check out Built Bar. Caramel Macchiato is the new flavor they have right now. Not a coffee guy myself, but if you are, this is a must try my favorite the coconut brownie chunk absolutely delicious little brownie chunks on the top of it that's what the chunks are it's the brownie tastes really good 150 calories 15 grams of protein 7 grams of sugar and a bar covered in 100% chocolate you can't find that anywhere else so go check it out built.com there's all kinds of other things as well the puff bars they have coconut marshmallow right now it's got a little marshmallow in there it's a little bit more of a uh, you know a softer bar if you want to check that out White chocolate cheesecake, another flavor. They have the Built Bars, Built Boost, Built Bites, Built Broth. You can get it all using the promo code LOCKED15. It'll give you 15% off your entire order at Built.com. Also want to tell you about BetOnline.ag. Go check it out. It's the fastest and easiest way to get you started on putting down some money on sports. They have you covered all season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before as the football season continues. If you're into football at all, the college football playoffs series is set. The first couple of games here we're able to uh, check out. Ooh, interesting. Georgia, eight-point favorite over Michigan. Michigan is playing at home, but Georgia is going to be – oh, at home, quote-unquote. But Georgia's the eight-point favorite. Interesting one, even though Georgia just got beat by Alabama. Alabama, 13-and-a-half-point favorite at Cincinnati. The Bearcats not getting any love there for that. Not surprising. Go check it out. If you feel strongly about either of those, go put down some money on it. You can also use the promo code LOCKDOWN. You'll get a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposits. Go check it out. There's all kinds of NBA props as well, NBA odds that you can check out daily. Go check it out, betonline.ag. Again, promo code LOCKDOWN. All right, welcome back. Two weeks in a row, had to do it. The team with the longest winning streak in the NBA, I completely 100% called it last week. Don't go back and watch that clip and see what I said, but I called it, what if the, what if the Rockets never lost from last week to this week? The Rockets with the longest win streak in the NBA. I saw ESPN Stats and Info tweet out, no other team in NBA history has ever lost 15 games in a row and then won six games in a row after that. So it's probably now the greatest turnaround in NBA history. Jackson Gatlin locked on Rockets. What is going on? Nick, not only has this not taken place in the NBA, it hasn't happened across NHL, NFL, MLB. 15 or more straight losses into six or more straight wins has never been done across any of the major sports. So this Rockets team is making history. Um, <laughs> look, they they just they really did just turn things around offensively they unlocked their identity finally that's something that was a recurring theme for this team throughout that 15 game losing streak is what is the identity of this team what is Steven Silas trying to accomplish are they 
are they trying to play the veterans and trying to make a push for the play in and be like a relevant, you know, competent NBA level team? Are they going to develop the young guys? Like this team had no clear cut identity. And I don't think necessarily that they're, you know, going to be gunning for the play in all of a sudden. They, they had a relatively easy stretch of games and, Life's going to come at them pretty fast over these next, you know, eight or nine games. They've got the Nets coming up this Wednesday. That's going to be a really tough opponent. They've got the Bucks right after that. So, I mean, they've got some really quality opponents over these next 10. So things could come crashing back down to reality for this Rockets team. That said, they did finally find a bit of an offensive identity. Slotting Christian Wood at the five spot unlocks so much for this Rockets team. The spacing has been incredible. But even past that is they've just... Finally, I think they've developed the confidence that they need to really run some of the stuff that Steven Silas wants to run offensively and to do it well, right? Playing with confidence, moving the ball around, doing the little things that lead to winning basketball games finally. Christian Wood, 19.3 points, 11.5 rebounds, 2.5 assists, almost two blocks a game so far in this stretch. He's shooting 56% from three just in this six-game stretch, but... I mean, how has he just turned into this monster again? Because it felt like last year you kept every every other day. It felt like you DM me like Christian Wood's better than Porzingis. Christian Wood's <laughs> better than Porzingis. It was just over and over again. And I was like, dang, he's right last year. And then this year at the start of the season, I was like, oh, no, there's no way. Porzingis is playing a lot better than Christian Wood. And now it's flipped again. What has Christian Wood done to, you know, he was so good last year. And then to have this dip at the beginning of the year and now just come back to, all right, I'm a 2010 guy that can hit the three and can also block shots yeah well I mean last year he was on an absolute tear he was really pushing for you know being in you know in consideration for the all-star team then unfortunately had that ankle injury that sidelined him for 17 games and that was where the rocket season really just utterly derailed there was a little bit of hope last season that they'd be a play-in team or or kind of you know fighting for a playoff spot and that completely unraveled but this year you know, Christian Wood had a lot of expectations placed on his shoulders, right? He gave us a taste of what he was capable of last season coming in this year. Talked about wanting to be, you know, a, a clear focal point in the offense, wanting to be a power forward, wanting to be a four alongside Daniel Tice. We got a taste of that last season with Kelly, Kelly Olenek and Christian Wood sharing the front court together. But unfortunately... Daniel Tice just isn't the complimentary piece next to Christian Wood in the Rockets front court that he needs. He, he doesn't, you know, fit as well or as seamlessly as Kelly Olynyk did offensively. So that pairing was just really clunky and the Rockets just signed Tice to a four year deal. So they didn't want to give up on that after just, you know, five, 10 games. So they ran that, you know, duo pretty much into the ground to see if it was going to work or not, right? It kind of ran the they wheel ran it into know. a 15 game losing streak is what they ran it into. <laughs> yeah. And it would look. At the end of the day, they were, you know, whatever excuses, whatever reasoning, maybe it was just, you know, directives from the front office. Hey, we don't want to, you know, upset Daniel Tice's agent. We've got to make sure that he understands what this is. You know, the the evidence is just insurmountable. Christian Wood plays better when he is the sole big on the floor. And throughout this winning streak, that's what we've seen over these last two games. Steven Silas has played a little bit more with having Christian Wood and Alperin Shingun share the floor as well as in this final win against the Pelicans, uh, sharing the floor again with Daniel Tice. But some of the same problems are still there. So ultimately, Christian Wood's home is as a five because he draws so much attention. The mismatches are there. He's able to get to the rim at you know with ease against opposing fives. He can pop. There's just, you know, it's really hard to contain him if he's at the five spot and you've got four shooters around him. I have to ask the elephant in the room question. One game from Jalen Green so far has played during this stretch. He only played 10 minutes in that game. Is it is there something about Jalen Green not playing that has 
allowed the Rockets to play at a different level? Is it being able to play Eric Gordon more? Is it being able to, you know, not having to, to cater to Jalen Green getting the ball so much? There's something about him or something about Jalen Green that just wasn't leading to winning basketball. And then now when he's off, it, it, the Rockets have won six games in a row. Not whatsoever. Uh, you know, I, I will throw in the one caveat that the minutes that would otherwise be going to Jalen Green right now, you know, 30-ish minutes a night, give or take, um, you know, when he does make it back to the Rockets lineup, some of the guys who have been really big during this stretch of wins, uh, Garrison Matthews, Armani Brooks, some of those guys are going to have their minutes taken away a little bit. Um, I don't expect those guys to sudden, I don't expect somebody to just randomly fall out of the rotation because everybody has been so big during this stretch of winning games, winning basketball for this Rockets team. That said, Jalen Green, you know, struggled with his outside shot and the consistency behind it through the early part of the season, through that 15 game losing streak. Uh, but I do not think that there's enough, there's no evidence whatsoever to point and say, oh, Jalen Green's the reason that they were on that losing streak. And because he's not playing, that's the reason they're winning basketball now. Maybe some of the things don't break the way that they do across a six game winning streak if you don't have some of the hot shooting from Garrison Matthews or Armani Brooks in the game during certain stretches or certain lineups being a bit more favorable because of that consistent outside shooting. That said, the Rockets never really made it like a, you know, a focal point where, oh, we're just going to put the ball in Jalen Green's hands and let him get, you know, 20 plus attempts a night. He was very much playing within the flow of the offense, never really trying to like demand the basketball or take over games, just letting things come to him naturally. And that's been Steven Silas's approach with Jalen Green is he wants an organic development plan or path for him. So rather than just giving the ball and saying, all right, go out there and get your, you know, 20, 25 shots a game, he's going out there and he's playing within the flow of the offense. They're sharing the ball really well. So I fully expect that when Jalen Green comes back, he's going to have picked up on some things that this team is doing during this win streak to help him in his play when he returns. And he's going to just slot right back in and, you know, really be able to pick up on some of this winning brand of basketball that they're playing. Last thing for you. Tell me about Shangoon. Tell me something good. Is he getting more playing time soon? I think that's the only thing I ever see from Rockets fans on Twitter is that, you know, Alfred Shangoon has to play more. Well, look, every game Alperin Shingun does something that is brand new that you do not expect a 19 year old rookie to have in his bag. It, just tonight in this game, you know, there was a point where he kind of had this hesitancy in a, in a pick and roll spot where he didn't really have a go to move. And then like two plays down the line. He gets put in the exact same type of action in the role, gets the ball and has a floater just that materialized out of nowhere. Like it was the first floater he's thrown this entire season and he <laughs> nailed it. Like he's been shooting this shot since he was like eight years old. So his bag is deep and wide and impressive. Like everything that he does on a nightly basis for a 19 year old rookie is outstanding. If there's one, one red flag to his game right now, it's that he fouls a lot. You know, he whether it's just adjusting to the, the speed of the NBA or just, you know, getting an unfavorable whistle at times. He had five fouls in 17 minutes in this game. At one point, he had three fouls in four minutes. So, like, <laughs> just a lot of foul trouble for Alper and Shingun. It's really tough for him to be able to stay on the floor with that. And, you know, at this point, Steven Silas is doing what he can do to get him, you know, about 15, 20 minutes a night behind Christian Wood. But when you're running largely just one big a night, uh, it makes it or one big at a time on the floor, I should say, makes it kind of difficult to get him, you know, an adequate 25 or maybe even 30 minutes a night like he might be able to get on on another team. All the lock, the Rockets may never lose again. So you want to be able to follow that. Go to Locked on Rockets wherever you get your podcast or on YouTube. You can go and subscribe to the show. Follow Jackson Gatlin at JT Gatlin on Twitter. And uh, yeah, good luck to the Rockets. They may never lose again. 
coming up against the Nets soon and one if, James Harden. It's going to be a fun game. Here, if you're here next week, then something has gone wrong in the in the matrix, right? Just something. <laughs> I have to bring you back because they didn't lose again the full week. <laughs> we're in a we're in a branched alternate reality if that happens, Nick. What's the matrix? Is it reloaded? What's the new one? Matrix? <laughs> Rev- no, it's not revolutions. Uh, oh, I don't know the name of it off the top of my head. Uh, we're tanking this segment now. Darn. Resurrections. And that's exactly what the Houston Rockets have done. Go subscribe to Lockdown Rockets. Guys, thanks so much for joining us on Lockdown NBA. Boom. Oh.